It's intern John. Football is back, and this commander season, there are huge prizes to be won at Safeway. Enter Safeway's Huddle Up and Win Sweepstakes. You could win up to $10,000 cash or autograph commander's merchandise. All you have to do is shop the participating items throughout the store and enter your codes from your receipt at SafewayHuddleUpAndWin.com. Safeway makes sure commander's fans have all their game day needs to tailgate or host like a pro. Stop in and discover why football is better at Safeway, the official supermarket of the Washington Commanders. The, is it morning yet, deal. How about now? Or now? Because morning time is McDonald's breakfast time. And that's the best time of all the times. Get any sized iced coffee for just 99 cents until 11 a.m. And sweeten the deal when you pair it with a baked apple or pumpkin and creme pie. After all, why wait to treat yourself? Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Welcome to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Our hope is that you will be encouraged and equipped through this podcast as we have conversations with friends from around the world. You can subscribe to our podcast and go to our website, firebornministries.com, and sign up for our email list to stay up to date on Fireborn Ministries. And may you have your own adventures in the spirit. And now we hope you enjoy today's podcast. And thank you so very much for joining in to another adventure in the Holy Spirit. I want you guys to know that this is my final interview of season three of Adventures in the Spirit podcast. Uh, We've seen 275,000 downloads so far, but by the time that this is um, released to you on the audio, uh, chances are we'll we'll have reached 300,000 downloads, all for the glory of God. Um, I want to also let you guys know that I do have a final episode coming, which will be teaching on hearing the voice of the Holy Spirit. That will be the final episode of season three of Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. Uh, But it will give you a taste of the members only podcast, Spirit Empowered Living, where you'll get revelational teaching, equipping on the prophetic, on the voice of the Holy Spirit and more. Uh, But guys, I'm excited for today's interview. It's with Jonathan Feldstein of the Inspiration from Zion podcast. Podcast. Uh, he had me, Jamie Luce, and Tony Myers on the podcast. Uh, we did have some technical issues. There were power outages in Israel because he's coming uh, all the way from Israel to join us on this podcast. But I'm so excited to have him uh, representing here. And, um, you know, he's doing amazing things. He's born and educated in the United States and immigrated to Israel in 2004. He's married and he's the father of six awesome people. Uh, Throughout his life and career, he's been blessed by the calling to fellowship with Christian supporters of Israel, and he shares experiences of living as an Orthodox Jew in Israel. So please help me welcome Jonathan Feldstein to Adventures in the Spirit. We don't have video for him because of the power outage and things like that, but please help me welcome Jonathan Feldstein. Welcome, John. Hey, Jared. I'm delighted to be back, to be with you and back online after the power outage. Well, that yeah, that's totally understandable. These things happen. Um, I'm actually piggybacking off of my in-laws' Wi-Fi frequency right now. I don't have a cool background or anything, but <laughs> I know that most people would be listening to this. But uh, Jonathan, I'd love to hear just some of your background and some of the work that you're doing in in Israel and how you're building bridges. I know that that's a lot of information. You're a busy man. And I bless your work of being a bridge builder between uh, Jews and Christians in Israel. But can you share some of your background story? Sure. So I was born in New York. Uh, Actually, this week that we're airing is uh, 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 not a significant, but a a birthday all the same. 
last week of December and and um, grew up in New Jersey from from the time I was one. And my orientation, I was born to a Jewish family. Um, my father was born here in Israel. And I always like to tell people he gave me a name that he couldn't pronounce because he had an accent until he died. So he always called me Jonathan. And whether it was telling me to go do my homework or go outside and rake the leaves or take out the garbage, whatever it was, there was always an Israeli inflection which connected me to my Jewishness, but of course my Israeliness. And since I was a kid, I wanted to live here. And uh, fortunately, I met the right woman who also from around the same time in her life wanted to as well. And, and we moved to Israel with our five kids at the time, 18 years ago, 18 and a half now. And when I went to college, I went to Emory in Atlanta. That's where my world started to really open up, um, exposing to a lot of other people who I would never have had any experience or exposure with. And that's, it was there. And then I was working at the Israeli consulate after I graduated, where I started traveling all over the Southeast and seeing something that I never saw before and certainly didn't understand before and didn't even understand then. That's Christian love and support for Israel and the Jewish people. And to be honest, Jared, when I was a young man in my late teens and early 20s, I didn't know why. I didn't understand it. It didn't make sense to me. But that's where I realized that God was calling me to be a bridge, that this was not just a phenomenon to nod my head at, but to be a part of. Well, that, that's awesome. And then uh, there's been some excitement lately in Israel. I've read some articles. You are an extensive writer yourself. Um, can you share some of, uh, you know, there, there's, uh, I, I don't know if I could pronounce it right, but red heifers. Is that right? Yeah. Can you can you elaborate on that story and how well, that was exciting for, for you there in Israel? Sure. So anyone who reads, reads their Bible, it's a very short uh, verse. Um, that people read about red heifers. And I forget, honestly, I forget the verse. I think it's numbers something. All right. But it doesn't matter. Now people will want to go and check it and see because it's really very, very insignificant, it seems, as far as the substance of everything we're reading about. But it's critical. These red heifers, there has to be um, in, in biblical times during the temple, there would need to be the ashes of a pure red heifer that was used in the, the process of the ritual purification of the priests and others who were um, serving in the temple. If In order to bring an offering, in order to sacrifice an offering, um, you needed to be ritually pure. And today we do it very differently. Today there's also not a temple. And let's see, in September, after nearly 2,000 years, this it blew me away, I was invited to a very small ceremony the arrival of five pure red heifers, year-old calves that were born in Texas and flown over in a wooden crate on American Airlines Flight 146. And they were they arrived, they were checked out by veterinarians, which is very normal, of course, you're moving livestock. And, and this was the first time in nearly 2,000 years that there was a pure red heifer here in Israel. Now, some will ask, the question, well, what does that mean? Does it mean that Messiah is coming? Does it mean that we're rebuilding the temple? My answer to that is, I don't know, but this is a critical step in order to be able to restore temple service if we're, if and when we're going to get 
to that point. So having these five cows, they're all just about a year old now. They have to be, according to uh, the, the biblical verse, they have to be two years old in order to be um, eligible for this service. And we'll wait and see at the end of 2023 what happens and maybe what surprises God might have in store. Um, but we all know that, you know, I'm not one of the people who says end times is around the corner. Maybe. I don't know. But I know every day that we live, we're getting a day closer. And God gives us these great little winks, like delivering five red heifers to Israel, saying, OK, we're getting ready. We're getting there. And it was amazing. And I, the last thing I'll say about it um, I thought it was cool to be invited to this ceremony on a loading dock at Ben-Gurion Airport in Tel Aviv. I was overwhelmed with how overwhelmed I was seeing this, realizing that this is not just importing of five cows, but importing of five cows, one of which may be used in temple service again. Wow. Um, so I know that you've been very busy building bridges and things between uh, Orthodox Jews and Jews and Christians and uh, doing a lot of work. You've got the run for Zion coming up in March and everything. But can you share some of um, what it is that you do and, and, and how you build those bridges so that people can have a greater understanding of Israel? I've visited myself. I do plan to go. I think everybody should go visit Israel, which is the land of, of the Bible, the land of Scripture. So can you share some of that? Yeah, sure. So uh, let's see, 2018, after already 30 plus years in my career, most of which was building bridges between Jews and Christians, I started, I went out on my own. I was tired of of what I, I, I think I've shared this phrase with you, what I've seen far too often, and some of your uh, followers will nod and understand this, I call it the objectification of Christians as a faith-based ATM. And they're Jewish and Christian uh, ministries that are involved, that are guilty of that. And I'm not; in, it's not an indictment, but it's just not a scenario that I want to be involved with. If, if first of all, it, what I do is because God called me to do it. It's not a job, and and therefore it has to be done at the highest level of integrity. Building bridges is critical. So in 2018, I started the Genesis One Two Three Foundation. That's the parent uh, uh, organization of run for Zion and the inspiration from Zion podcast and all kinds of other things that we do. And Gen and, and Genesis one, two, three has as its mission to build bridges between Jews and Christians and Christians with Israel. And then we say in ways that are new, unique, and meaningful. And what I'm trying to do is, is get out of the framework of only making Christians think that the only way to connect and bless Israel is through financial donations. And I don't want to discourage anyone from ever doing that. But I was asked, I did a, a, a teaching with a group of seminary students in Germany uh, two weeks ago, and they asked me, how can I bless Israel? And my first answer was pray. You don't monetize prayer. Pray for us. Know what you're praying about and and connect with us in that way. And of course, come and visit. Um, visit with our, with our program, Run for Zion. Um, or, or, or just there's so many ways to be involved, to advocate, and I don't want it to be all and only about money. However, we've created some fabulous things where, according to Genesis 12.3, which is where we get the name Genesis 1.2.3 Foundation, you can bless Israel in many different ways. Run for Zion is really cool because it's the first Christian program around the Jerusalem Marathon. Now, I'm not a runner. 
And I won't even walk five or 10 kilometers because I have a bad back and that'll hurt my back. But I invite people to come and run and walk or just sit on the sidelines. Before the pandemic, the Jerusalem Marathon had 40,000 participants. It's the largest annual event that takes place in Jerusalem. And it's amazing. So we get to be part of that. But I, as an Orthodox Jew, built up a whole program, an itinerary that's interactive, that that builds relationships, that people see where, if they're raising money, where the money goes, and also that they that they have a big spiritual charge in addition to the run. And the last thing I, I, I probably will say about that is just the really neat thing is God does not say in Genesis 12, 3, bless Israel, I'm the Lord your God. He says, bless Israel, and I'm going to bless you. He's giving us a gift. He's giving us a promise. It's a formula in there. And there are many ways that God does bless us and can bless us, infinite number of ways. We take that concept and we offer a subsidy model so that people can come and participate in the program in March for as little as $149, which is so exciting to me because my bottom line is getting people to come here and have those meaningful, interactive experiences. Do you want to grow in your relationship with the Holy Spirit? Do you want to commune with the wonderful Holy Spirit like never before? Your adventure with Him will grow tremendously as you go through our Fellowship with the Holy Spirit e-course. You can study the course at your own pace on your time. Fellowship with the Holy Spirit will help you know the Holy Spirit more and encounter Him every day. You'll learn His names, His character, His fruit, His personality, and more. Go to FirebornMinistries.com to purchase this life-changing program and start connecting with Him today. Yeah, that's exciting. And um, I know by the time the audio of this podcast drops, it'll be uh, Hanukkah and Christmas. Yeah. Can you explain what that looks like in Israel? When I visited back in 2015, I might get the dates mixed up, maybe 2016. <laughs> I, it was a seminary trip uh, for 17 days. It wasn't long enough, honestly. There's so, yeah. there's so much to see and do and experience and interact with the people there. Uh, but can you just, and so that was about December time about up to, I think December 17th of either 2015 or 2016, but anyway, (laughs) you know, that's my seminary brain. It was a lot of information for a few years. (laughs) So, um, can you describe that and, um, what, what that looks like in Israel? It's actually very cool. It's a good question. You know, any, anyone in America or, or probably other parts of the world, knows that going into December, you start hearing uh, Christmas music in malls. And, and of course, actually, I was in the in the um, in the US uh, in the late summer, and I already saw early Christmas displays going up. So the people are getting ready for that. And, and it really becomes all encompassing here. That's not the case. And I'll talk about Christmas for a minute. But here you have that for Hanukkah. So so you begin to see in, in the malls and shopping areas, you begin to see ads that are that are uh, thematic toward the, the the miracle of Hanukkah, the the destruction and and restoration of the the fir- from the first to the second temple, and the rededication of the second temple, and the oil that was involved, and a lot of the foods that we eat during Hanukkah involve frying food in oil, which is always tasty, not so healthy. So you start to see these foods on display and being advertised. And of course, you hear the music, music everywhere, music on the radio, music in the malls, everywhere. And and there's the same way in American public schools, even private uh, private schools, uh, Israeli schools start focusing on uh, things relating to the holiday. We have a Hanukkah vacation here, not a Christmas vacation, and it's a it's a lovely eight day 
festive celebration where families are just able to be together. Now, Christmas is interesting because basically the Christmas story was here, right? Jesus born here. And that's so significant. What's fascinating is if you don't pay attention, you can miss that Christmas is even taking place. But what's also really neat is on, think about it, a country of nine and a half million people, very small percent are Christian, that nevertheless, every year there are radio programs and TV programs about Christmas because it's significant. It's a significant part of the history that took place here. Um, You have the municipality, this is so cool. The municipality of Jerusalem gives out free Christmas trees. If you're a Christian and you want a Christmas tree, there's a day they they advertise it in all the papers. You go get yourself a a free Christmas tree. And you begin to see decorations. Actually, there are tourist areas in Jerusalem specifically, some in Tel Aviv. The Galilee, which has a lot of Arabs and and many of them are Christian Arabs, also very festooned with with seasonal things. And that's cool. I happen to really like it because um, it's, it's very easy to overlook the fact that it's Christmas here, but it's a significant, whether we as Jews look at it the same way as you do, the significance biblically, historically, it happened here. And 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 as the land that's so significant to Jews and Christians, um, I, I'm glad that we honor it. And I'm glad that we have that celebration and recognition. Well, I know for a number of my my listeners, they're they're all Christians. The yeah. majority of Christians, charismatic Christians. So we, you know, hopefully those listening understand Christmas and know what it's all about, but they may not understand the origins oh. of Hanukkah. Uh, and I'd like to kind of mention that in the book of Revelation, you know, there's the the seven golden lampstands, which could be a menorah. Uh, and can, so can you uh, describe the origins of Hanukkah for my listeners, sure. uh, just for their personal yeah, absolutely. Education? If I, I will, but anyone who wants to connect with me through uh, genesis123.co or run for Zion and has questions about Judaism and life in Israel, by all means, feel free. So yeah, Hanukkah is kind of a double uh, a double celebration. It involves, first of all, it's the celebration of the restoration and rededication of the temple after it was after the first temple was destroyed. And when we were given the opportunity to rebuild it 70 years later. Now, when the when the Babylonians destroyed the first temple, they did a really good job laying waste to it. Now, what we talked about in terms of the red heifers, also a lot of the temple service and 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 the functionality of the temple involved various forms of ritual purity. So part of what was needed in the temple was having a degree of pure oil, olive oil, not the kind that you that we're all concerned about the price of the uh, changing our gas price, filling up at the tank, but olive oil because that's so significant. So what what the miracle is that during that period when the temple was being rededicated, one pure vial of oil was found that was good for one day, and the miracle is that it lasted for eight days. That's where we get the. Um, the the eight day holiday, and that's where because it involves oil, that's where, why we fry um, in Israel. Jelly donuts are very popular. What's called latkes, um, which is basically a, a potato pancake fried, deep fried, delicious. And then there are all kinds of derivations on that. I'll make fried chicken because that's my thing. And so we do a lot of fried foods. There's another aspect of Hanukkah that's really important because it involves a, a military victory. A lot of listeners, I'm sure, know about the Maccabees, 
right? That there were this, there was this um, a, a family, an extended family of warriors, and and they overcame the Greco-Syrians in a war, and it was the celebration of that that victory also that's tied into Hanukkah. So we're celebrating a lot. And it's, oh, and by the way, it's so important to note, and you'll know it, I don't know New Testament um, as well as Old Testament, but where is it that says that Jesus came to celebrate the winter festival, right? That was it. Jesus himself celebrated Hanukkah um, because that was already codified, well well, uh, well codified in, in Jewish tradition for centuries. Yeah, wow. Well, thank you so very much for elaborating on that. I hope that everybody is edified and and knows a lot more. I I believe in, you know, dialogue, respect towards each other, you know, um, having conversations to to learn a lot more. And also, you know, one of my desires, uh, I visited Israel, you know that, uh, but I want to encourage people to go to Israel. My in-laws are going to be going to Israel uh, sometime soon on a trip. And I, I looked at their itinerary. I'm like, I was so excited. I was like, you're seeing most of it, uh, <laughs> most of the things that tourists go to. Um, but I, I Let learned me know when they come. Say again? Let me know when they come. Oh, I will. I will. I'm yeah. not going to say it publicly, but I'll let you know. All right. Good. <laughs> but um, yeah, so it's actually coming up real soon. But um, I learned a lot on my seminary trip, just 17 days. Again, that wasn't long enough. And there were some places where, you know, it's too, too touristy or there are other places where it's sure. like I really felt a spiritual connection. And it really opened my eyes to reading the scripture, understanding uh, the, the land of the, the Bible, um, seeing all where Jesus walked or different places. I know that Jerusalem is, is a, a tell. So like there was one cavern or cave that we went through near the, the, the Western wall, you know, and you know, about 15 feet down was first century stuff. Yeah. So it's like, okay. Well, who knows? Maybe Jesus actually walked on that, but I know he, you can still walk some of the steps that some people do, but we're at this seminary and I forget the name of it. And this, this was intriguing to me. Hmm. Um, talking about the Temple Mount, and this guy mentioned that there's, you know, that 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 is where Abram, uh, Abraham, uh, brought his son uh, for the potential sacrifice. Um, that is a, a sacred sacred ground. But he mentioned that there's this belief that the Temple Mount was the origin of the Garden of Eden. I mean, have you heard that before? I've heard that. Um, I I don't know enough to say that that's. True or not, uh, I, I'm really good with planting my flag on the big rock under the dome of the rock where we where where yeah where it it had to be that Abraham brought Isaac and I've been inside that rock when I was a teenager inside that dome. It's too huge. It's way too big to be a prop. That that is the only place. And those rocks are so big they couldn't have been moved. So so that that has to be the place. And you're standing at the site where Abraham demonstrated. I mean, no greater act of faith. Right. Right. And, and so, I mean, again, that was eye opening. I was just kind of curious about that, but yeah, uh, Jonathan, can, can you share just some of the things that um, you've got coming up uh, so that our, our listeners can um, keep you in prayer, keep Jerusalem in prayer, praying for the peace of Jerusalem um, and also encouraging people to come visit. Yeah, definitely come visit and anyone's welcome to be, um, to be in touch. We're also finishing our, uh, well, what season? We're a year and a half into, we're a year and a half behind you. Uh, but we've been doing great in terms of the inspiration from Zion uh, podcast. And I always invite people to 
to tune in and check it out and always having different kinds of conversations about things that people wouldn't be hearing uh, else, elsewhere, um, certainly not in, in regular media. Uh, but what we have coming up, obviously the big thing coming up is Run for Zion. That's in March. It's not too late for people to join us. Um, that is an unbelievable experience. Uh, it, it's it. Some people, it'd be ideal for you because you've been here before and then and, and it's about creating relationships and having some kind of really interaction uh, people here and, and blessing the land. But um, it, it can be for a first timer as well. And, and with the subsidy program, it's, it can be virtually free. We're also planning uh, some really interesting programs. You mentioned before about being in first century places where Jesus may very well have walked. And I, I know where you're talking about. And the, the, the question is not if he walked there, but on which stones, because he had to have walked um, on those paths. And that's not in everywhere. I don't like the the disingenuous stuff about talking about walking in the land where Jesus walked. Of course he did, but sometimes that's played up a little bit too liberally. I'm planning a different kind of a trip. And anyone who's interested, uh, welcome to be in touch. We're going to be engaged. I don't know if you got to see it when you when you were here, but all throughout Israel, there are what we would look at today and call them dirt paths. You know, kids might go dirt biking on them or something. We have one right behind my house. I live in the Judean mountains, just south of Jerusalem. And these dirt paths were the biblical highways, were how people commuted. And there's so much, it's actually even more rich, I think, in the New Testament, the, 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 the idea of Jesus not commuting, but making pilgrimages, coming from Nazareth in the north and coming to Jerusalem. And you can see, you can actually depict, not on the highways that we have today, but on the dirt paths. So we're going to be doing a program where people can actually walk on those very same paths. They're a little bit more developed. The trees around are a little bit older or they've been chopped down um, and, and new ones have been replanted. But there are ritual baths. We call them in Hebrew mikvaot as you approach Jerusalem. So you know that you're you're literally on that path. And we're going to be doing something that involves people being able to walk those paths, pray, and actually, um, uh, my intent is to be able to figure out a way to sell people open sh- open toe Israeli sandals so they get their feet dirty, like first century Jews did, like Jesus did. And I might even rent a couple of donkeys just to make it authentic. We're, we're, we're going to get all into that. So that's exciting. Another thing that's really important, there's a lot we could go, I could go on, but I'll just say this. It's so important to engage Christian youth about the significance of Israel. Um, you may know this. Some of your listeners may know. In the past, uh, not th- this year, but 2021, two surveys were released showing a 50% drop in support among millennial Christians for Israel. And that's concerning for me on two levels. First of all, Israel, it's bad for Israel, of course. Um, but second of all, it's bad for the church. If you have young Christians going up who don't understand the significance of Israel and the restoration of Israel um, as as prophetic. It's not just a history class, but something that's prophetic, something where God, you see God's playbook unfolding in front of our eyes yet today in the last several decades. It's extraordinary. And it's something that I don't yet have my ability to get my arms around completely, but we're going to be addressing that. We're going to be creating programs to connect uh, um, elementary age um, kids with Israel and a biblical 
and age-appropriate level. And we want to try and figure out what's the root of why young millennials, what we call millennials today, are not engaging with Israel. Don't get it, because I, I contend that it's bad for all of us. And that's just a, a, a bit of what we're doing Um the last thing I would say, in the, the, actually, it's neat to be able to wrap up the year with you uh, in this conversation. This year, we did three or four really extraordinary things where we've been a blessing to the nations. If people go back to the scripture, I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. And the families of the world will be blessed through you. So a short translation. We've been doing things like that because we take very seriously the responsibility to be a blessing to the families of the world. So back in um march was it march oh yeah march i spent four days driving through kentucky giving out these beautiful pieces of art that are biblically based and and as a blessing to people whose homes and churches were destroyed by the tornadoes that came there through there a year ago now and then uh, in june i started out in texas and i brought 200 pounds of baby formula with Hebrew writing for churches that couldn't that couldn't get baby formula off the shelves, and so we brought it from here to be a blessing there. And I just noticed uh, Pastor just uh, sent a comment from Pakistan. Our most significant recent of the of these events was after the horrible flooding in Pakistan. We provided thousands, ten, several thousands, maybe tens of thousands of dollars to to support Christians in Pakistan from Israel in order that they should not be left behind in this country where Christians are are so discriminated against after the vast destruction that took place there. So we're doing we're doing we're getting our hands involved in all kinds of things and I really appreciate the prayers and 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 engagement because that's how we're better and I and and I I I I covet people praying for what we're doing. Awesome. Yeah, I mean I I continue to pray for the peace of Jerusalem. I love the land. And I, I want to encourage people. What are the best way for people to connect with you? So the simplest will be going to Genesis one two three dot co. Um, the Run for Zion website is runforzion.com. Um, the both the Genesis one two three Foundation and the Inspiration from Zion podcast are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. So people can always reach out to be there, and then email is inspirationfromzion at gmail.com. Awesome. And thank you so very much again for having me as a guest on your podcast. I want to encourage my listeners, check it out. Um, it's with Tony Myers, Jamie Luce, and myself, hosted graciously by Jonathan <laughs> Feldstein. It was a good one. It was a good one. Uh, yeah, I loved it. And so I'm excited to have brought you here. Thank you so very much for being flexible with with um, you know the, the power outage and things like that, yeah. I'm always flexible. I, I I love this episode, and I want to encourage people, you know, um, to subscribe to Adventures in the Spirit with Jared Lasky. This is the final interview of season three. I do have a teaching coming, uh, which will be the final episode of season three. But season four is coming at the first of the year, and Excellent. this episode drops around Christmas and Hanukkah time. So, guys, I hope this encourages you. Reach out to my friend Jonathan Feldstein. Check out his podcast, In- Inspiration from Zion, also on the Charisma Podcast Network. Jonathan, thank you so very much for being my thank special you, guest. Thank you, Jared. God bless you. Thank you.
so much for listening to our conversation and adventures in the spirit. We hope that this podcast encouraged and inspired you to press into Jesus and launches you into your own adventure. You can stay up to date with Fireborn Ministries by going to our website, firebornministries.com and like us on Facebook. And may you have your own adventures in the spirit. From iHeart Podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, tells the story of the unlikely champions behind the landmark case, Roe v. Wade. Starring Maya Hawk as 26-year-old lead attorney, Sarah Weddington. We're challenging the Texas abortion laws in federal court. And Academy Award nominee, William H. Macy, as Supreme Court Justice, Harry Blackman. Time is not the most important factor. Getting it right is. Listen to the podcast, Supreme, the battle for Roe, on the iHeart Radio app or wherever you get your podcasts.